0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Hollywood Rx. The doctors are in. Doctors D and G, that is. How are you, Dr. D?
1: Dr. G, I am
0: relieved. Uh, Aren't we all? (laughs) It's great to have something
1: to focus on that isn't everything else.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, If ever, you know, there was a week that Gerard Butler should not have taken off, boy... (laughs) This was that week. We needed a hero! We did need a hero. (laughs) This week, we are looking at The Midnight Sky. George Clooney's epic about a research (laughs) scientist trying to warn a returning spacecraft not to return. While I found this to be a fascinating setup, Ultimately, I felt like it fell fell more into the category of fiction than science, since Hmm. in my mind, a lot of credibility was surrendered for the sake of dramatic action. Dr. D., what, what say you of that prognosis?
1: Well, I found myself, as you were, you know, unfolding, rolling out this introduction and coming closer and closer to what your initial take was, I found myself getting very nervous that uh, we were going to have a um, have a disagreement in our uh, in our feelings, and you know what? I think we are going to have a disagreement in our feelings because uh, I I took the blue pill. I took the blue pill <laughs> all the way down. What does that mean? <laughs> I I just bought into it. I don't know. I don't know whether blue or green. I don't remember. What, I was going to say pill. blue. Yeah. Uh, you said nature. we
0: were going to think about anything else. <laughs>
1: I jumped into the Matrix is what I did. Wow. And I uh, I was pretty much on board for it. And I, I'm totally open to hearing the areas where you feel that they lost
0: you. Oh, you were gonna hear about them even if you didn't <laughs> want to, my friend.
1: Good. As long as I can then, you know, wax on about the, the stuff I really enjoyed. So here's the thing. So my quick my quick take would just be This is a movie that I enjoyed warts and all. I wouldn't put it in the guilty pleasure category because I don't think it's bad enough to qualify as a guilty pleasure. There was much in it that I found pleasurable and engaging and thought provoking. Fascinating.
0: For The first, uh, I don't know, I want to say 10 or 20 minutes I was with it. Uh, Uh I was actually afraid for a while. Oh, no, he's making Solaris again. Right. And then things got, I thought, kind of pulpy. And then as we were winding down towards the end of the movie, I thought to myself, I wish he had tried to make another Solaris <laughs> out of this. It starts off, he's, he's moping around this big, empty research station.
1: Right, right.
0: When he sits down for the first time to check the status of the spacecrafts that are out there. Yeah. It didn't seem to me like that was part of his normal routine. Mm. It just occurred to him, oh, I'll check on these things. Oh, there's only one left. I better try to get in touch with them. Maybe I missed something.
1: Uh, yeah, I didn't really necessarily get a, I'd have to go back and watch again, but I didn't necessarily get the sense that, that it wasn't something that he might've done every day. We could have just been, he could have done it on what for him was the second day or the third day. As opposed to for the first time ever he checks on it. I, I didn't I wasn't holding it to that kind of strict a time standard. I can't remember, you know, how many days we're supposed to have been watching him stagger around drunk, or was that all just one day? I think he's wearing the same clothes the whole time.
0: Yeah, you see, and and that's probably the part of the movie I liked the most was this I love the setup. I love the setup of this movie. Uh mm-hmm. this that, that the, the irony of someone slowly dying from mm-hmm. something unrelated to the catastrophe right. being the last person on Earth. But I had some trouble sort of reconciling I guess what the time frame of events was for this movie. How, what was the, the, the time between people of Earth finding out or learning that the catastrophe was going to happen and how long it took for until it actually happened. Because it seems to me that within that window of time, if they're organizing military units to go to the poles and collect right. people at the research stations to come home and be with their families, then it would seem to me that there was plenty of time to let some of those space stations, spacecraft, right. know what was happening. I don't see how it was... Up to this guy to do that.
1: Well, that's, um, I think that's fair. I I mean, I think you, you, you sort of, you start by talking about the setup and how you liked it, but then it feels like you jump further into the film. That's a very good question. Here's the thing. I have a feeling that this might have made a more enjoyable, maybe even more understandable book than it did a movie. You'd be, you'd be in his mind, so you'd get to know what he was thinking about the whole time and whether or not that was a regular occurrence, and you'd get a lot of exposition in a way that was more palatable than it is in a situation like this.
0: And I'm glad they didn't go with narration. Oh, yeah, no.
1: Oh, I know what I was going to say. So I think in a book you would have had access to a lot of information that they didn't make give you access to here. Yeah. I did kind of actually. I, I sort of have a, a grudging respect for the fact that they don't explain much at all. They're not spoon feeding us the particulars. They're going. You kind of have to take it on faith that this happened, and that you can fill in some of these blanks yourself.
0: And I was they fine don't
1: with ultimately that. matter.
0: I I was fine with that, like I was with uh, with Bird Box, never really <laughs> right. learning what the hell was going on because it right kind of didn't right. matter. I had no right. problem with that. Did we do bird box? Did we talk we about did? that?
1: I don't think um, we did actually. Hmm.
0: Which is a shame because I thought that was fairly outstanding. Sounds like an upcoming episode. Um Woo.
1: so <laughs> All right, so here's here's the thing is that I mean time time frame wise, let's let's think this through for a second. I think that the exploratory ship sully and all the other astronauts are on that we're visiting throughout the thing i think it's been supposed to have been gone for two years and based on the way things are going here now it's possible that that ship wasn't on that mission because there was any issue on earth when they left right i i assumed that there wasn't right but then there is that whole long list of Ships that he's looking at that are it looks like there's a dozen or more and so are those all the same kind of people or was that like a fleet that got left to go are those all of those guys outward bound not inward bound which is sort of what I think it is
0: well I think
1: I think they launched basically lifeboats the space version of lifeboats with uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of people on them into into space. What
0: is there? Anything
1: in the movie that
0: gave you that impression?
1: No, I'm saying that because I have to read between the lines. I'm filling in my own blanks. So I either think that is, I think okay, that's a big so, leap to make. So then, that's a so so then. What are those? Uh, uh, let's let's. I'm not being challenging. I'm who saying, who knows? Are yeah, those no. another dozen? Uh, ex- exploratory things that have just gone out and never come back. And that's the end of it.
0: That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. It's like the international space station. These were things that were up there anyway. Okay. It seemed to me given what are there like eight or nine of them? It seemed to me like ground control would be able to make contact with at least one of them and let them know, Hey, shit's going down here. Don't come home. And then they can p- and pass it on. Right. And then-
1: but what well, didn't it say on the screen inactive is how it was mm-hmm. describing those so Right that... and
0: that was the other thing too, is I was wondering the whole time, well what happened to the others that they you know, was the thing on Earth affecting them also? Why was suddenly nine out of ten spacecraft out of out of commission?
1: I, I didn't I didn't feel I needed that question answered to or even to understand what was going on. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I guess I guess I'm becoming a lot a big softy in my old age.
0: <laughs> oh, did old age start this week? Because you... wow, I'm I'm floored. I'm absolutely
1: well, floored. I was interested in being along for the ride. Uh, here, here's here's what happens to me often when I'm watching stuff is I'll come to a certain point in a story, this one or any other story, where I don't necessarily understand completely a moment in the plot i'll go now why is that happening i don't think i've been given information that explains why that's happening and then i say to myself put a pin in that they'll probably explain it later or you'll understand later better and so don't worry about that you need to know it right now and so this could have been partly why i was just along for the ride and then by the end i didn't i wasn't beating myself up over i don't believe me i ended up with a lot of questions but that wasn't one of them. Okay. <laughs> I don't I, know what to say. I feel like I've let you down somehow. No, you haven't but, let uh, me down.
0: You just <laughs> shocked the shit out of me. I, You know, I'm fine with, with the ambiguity and the premise. But I felt like the, there were just some connectors relevant to the story going on that I mm-hmm. wanted there.
1: That being a major one. That you wanted those in place. And honestly... If if, those, if that isn't in place for you and you're not just willing to, to shrug it off and, and go along for the ride, then, yeah, you're in trouble. I don't even know why the rest of it even matters. Maybe it doesn't. Are you done? Well, is, it's is funny. It, I, it...
0: I find it funny that you keep using this analogy of being along for the ride. Unless okay. that ride is the Hall of Presidents. This is, <laughs> like, not an exciting ride to get on board with, I got to tell you. You know, I, I felt basically like – all the action on the actual spaceship. Yeah. It was pretty trained.
1: I think you're right. I think you're right.
0: Here's the thing about spacewalks. There are really only two things that can happen. Yeah, please. You get punctured. Right. Or you get disconnected. Right. It's just a matter of time before one of those two things happens. So as soon as someone, as soon as we stay with someone out there spacewalking, I'm like, okay. Right.
1: I I agree. I, I will say, I will say that I'm with you that when they go out on a spacewalk in any movie, you, you immediately start – a clock starts ticking in your head. When right. is this going to go wrong? Whatever it is that's going to go wrong, when is that going to happen? Right. And I thought that they they did this interesting job of turning it into a, a, a montage, a singing montage of bonding everyone singing together. And the whole time I was just thinking – they're just trying to distract me from the fact that something is going to happen. It-
0: Sharpening my knives. Sorry.
1: Sharpening your knives. Okay.
0: You brought up the thing I didn't think we were going to get to for a while.
1: Oh no. But but
0: you brought no, no, up no, the but, but Finish your point. Finish your point.
1: No, my point was that I felt a lot of tension in that, but I also just sort of felt like it was almost almost gratuitous. In it's the 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 sing along was almost gratuitous in its length. And eventually I just went eventually it wore me down and I just went, no, all this is going to be is this five minute singing thing. And then they're going to come back inside and everything's going to be fine. And that's all this turned out to be. So I started off going, oh, the spacewalk, something bad is going to happen. And I'm like, wait a minute, they're singing. They're singing so that then when something bad happens, I'll be surprised. And then they sang the whole goddamn song. And by the time they were at the end, I was like, Oh, I guess I was wrong. Nothing bad is going to happen. So they wore me out. They wore out my, my, uh, my, and then when it happened anyway, I just sort of felt dirty about the whole thing.
0: Man, did I hate the choice of music. Yeah, I was, I did not enjoy that. In the whole movie, the background score and especially the songs. How funny you mentioned the song during the spacewalk. I even made a note about it. Why on earth, no pun intended, yes. would you want to distract somebody who's performing some kind of action in space by now having to like sing along mm-hmm. and remember the lyrics and what?
1: <laughs> all right. All right. devil. This advocate. is life
0: and death. This is a gloomy sci-fi. I don't want a musical. I never thought I'd say this, but I actually, if I had a choice right now, yeah. I would take the sing-along in Magnolia before I took this one again.
1: Oh my God. Well, devil's advocate to your why on earth. I would say that when you're engaged in something that is tense and put make, putting your stomach in a knot, that playing music, listening to music can have the effect of uh, ratcheting down your own internal tension in a way that then makes you able to concentrate a little uh to focus a it, little bit more
0: i I don't I am aware of that effect, but I feel like that doesn't come up enough in the real world for me to excuse it in a movie okay at at where the where the tension and the action is at the caliber that it's at in this movie
1: right. Right. And, and, well, also, let's keep in mind that, if for no other reason, the song that they're listening to, when they're listening to it, would be 75 years old.
0: That's something else I wanted to bring up. Funny you mentioned that. Yeah. Okay. First of all, I love George. (laughs) I know George is woke. I know George is always going to be on the right side of... Whatever, yeah, yeah. But this is a pretty like older white man soundtrack. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's number one. It always bothers me when should it have been my milkshake? A brings movie all that the voice takes place art? in the future, yeah, is when they have a character who's 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 bonding with music from the sixties or the seventies. Yeah. Obviously, not because there isn't music to bond with from that era, but right. because by the time this story takes place, to your point, that song is seventy-five years old, a hundred years old, right. and you know, people today don't know that song. <laughs> that they're going to sing it in the midst of, <laughs> right. you know, defusing a bomb or whatever. It would be. It so, would be
1: as though. Hold on. It would be as though on the space shuttle when they were doing a spacewalk today. They were listening to "Hello, my baby." Hello, my honey. Yeah, hello Scott my Joplin. Right time yeah, right. yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, exactly. The the example I hated the most.
1: <laughs> yeah. Is
0: uh, in, oh, I'm blanking out on the title. I can't believe it. The Alien, the last Alien entry, the one with Charlize oh. Theron and Idris Alba. He, he, There's a scene where he's playing a harmonica, and then he, he says that it's, it's Stephen Stills' actual harmonica. And I'm like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. 200 years from now, anyone's going to know Stephen Stills. Right.
1: Or that the harmonica is going to be around.
0: It assumes that nothing in the lifetime of those characters has oh, Prometheus. the Prometheus. culture. Is that Prometheus? Okay. It's Prometheus. I hated that movie so much. It it, it assumes that those, that, that nothing in the lives of those characters has had the same cultural, pardon the pun, gravity. Yeah. As something from like their grandparents' generation.
1: Right, right. Yeah. And, and in particular, in particular, that particular song is fucked out to the extreme. It is, completely a cliche just as a song and as a group sing-along song
0: the only thing that would yeah that that would make me happy about the whole existence of the song <laughs> yes. is if i is if i were to find out that they wanted to do space oddity and the bowie estate was like no
1: well uh, I, I think that might be a little too on the nose, but I understand you, you don't know, but song. you see, you mean no,
0: the- but, but, but that song is actually about uh, a spaceman who doesn't come back. So if anything, to your point about breaking the tension, right. then it would kind of be like saying, break a, break a leg to an actor before the show.
1: Okay. Okay. By, but by not, embracing not exactly.
0: the possibility. Yes. And, and, but and singing about it.
1: Do you picture that as a sing along thing though? A feel-good sing-along. I don't
0: think so. What is a feel-good song doing in this movie? That's my point.
1: (laughs) Okay, listen. I feel like we've got derailed here a little bit.
0: A little bit. Because
1: we've spent 15 minutes on this song and this sequence. But uh, your point is taken. I think I actually share your point. I don't know why you're yelling at me. (laughs) Daddy, what did
0: uh, I do? <laughs> because you said you liked this movie, that's why.
1: I know. Listen, you're you're breaking my heart here. Uh, okay, so. <laughs> All right. Well, else? well.
0: Getting back, yes. Uh, okay. Basically, there were so many liberties taken with scientific reality. Okay. With biological reality, that it was impossible. For the spell to be recast, the spell of the mm. first 15, 20 minutes. Can you
1: give me an example, a, a, a non Sweet Caroline example of liberty, a liberty that was taken?
0: Uh, sure. He's submerged in subarctic water for mm-hmm. a few minutes and doesn't contract hypothermia when he comes out. Okay. In fact, I question all the time he spent outside. Yeah there there's also the moment where where they're trying to walk back and they can't and they come across some other encampment or building, some other station that had been disused or whatever.
1: Yes. And? No.
0: You know what? No, no, no. Just, I'm, not, I'm not even <laughs> going to bring up that point. I mean, I was going to say he opens the door and he allows her, the kid, to go in first. Now, aside from the fact that I called from the moment she showed up, I was like. A ah, little girl doesn't exist, right. and and every time she didn't speak, I'm like, "Yep, she doesn't exist. She doesn't exist. She doesn't exist." And sure enough, she doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's the oh in his mind, it's the ghost of his daughter again. Back to Solaris. Hey, we might be going there, except for sweet Caroline. Right, right. So I don't know. I just felt like in an unknown situation like that, I wouldn't you go in first to check.
1: Well, much as he did with the plane wreckage.
0: Exactly
1: even even if she was in your mind wouldn't you go in first whether she was Which in your he mind or not did
0: a scene before so right. yeah drove me crazy drove okay. me crazy
1: <laughs> well i strongly recommend uh going along for the ride cuz i had so much more fun watching it than you did but uh all right well i feel it's necessary for me to not to defend this um this movie per se but to to talk about some of the positive things that I experienced while watching it at the expense of being beset upon by your, um, cynicism and, uh, uh, and whatnot. But, uh, I know, I will say that there's no real, um, there's no real build or momentum to the, there's basically three different areas where storytelling is happening in space on the ground and in flashbacks. And, mm-hmm. you know, in the present day on the ground, there is a structure to it in the sense that he's in one place, he needs to leave that place and get to another place, and he will encounter he will encounter challenges along the way. But there seems to me to be no, like, arc going on in the story that's taking place on the ship. It's just sort of so, just random stuff happens. Someone dies, and then they make, deci- they make decisions of whether or not they're going to return to a devastated Earth or go off and
0: do something else. And that's another issue. When Kyle Chandler and the other guy decide they're going to go back anyway yeah. to be with their families, that might have been a poignant moment if there had been any character development between those two. Right.
1: Particularly if they didn't like each other. In a sense, I mean that 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 they were going to set aside their differences to do this, you know, kind of to take on one final mission together
0: or something. I'm sorry, I think I may have interrupted you. You were making a
1: point. No, uh, I mean I started by saying let me talk about the things I liked, and then I immediately started talking about something I didn't. Yeah, like, and then, then, then you brought you, up all this crap. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: All right. Um, I love the look of the film, just the literal. the the sets and the locations to me, the barren frozen landscapes I thought were cool. The interiors of the place that he was in, I felt like it was, you know, like you have 2001 and that kind of set decoration where it's all seems so sterile and so kind of unlived in. And this felt much much more lived in, but it seemed like a natural extension of where we already are. Maybe not 50 years worth. It, it, may not seem like 50 years worth of it, but I, I liked all of that a lot. I thought that uh, some of the shots were really cool. The You know, him in this in that space station standing at the window where you could see this landscape in front of him. And I'm like, is that an actual location that they're standing in? Is that a green screen? How are they doing that? My brain was kind of a little melted by it. I didn't really know. And then similarly, when they're out in the, in the elements, it looked for all the world like it was pretty cold. Although my... My wife ah! kept my, my, huh?
0: Sorry, go ahead. No, I just laughed. Okay. okay, go
1: ahead. My my wife kept yelling, Why can't we see their breath? Why can't Thank we see you. their breath? They were actually shooting in a place that was extraordinarily cold. I can't explain why you weren't seeing their breath, but it was at times forty degrees below zero in that the is areas a shame. they were shooting. That's a in shame. History. Okay.
0: That they went to that level of realism. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Uh, in that some one ways, time only in, in some ways they did all right listen i i may not be able to stand up under the under the onslaught of your uh of your vitriol i i there were shots i loved i love the shot of him in the water i we've seen similar shots before where the the vehicle is sinking and his bag is sinking and he's sort of floating there i love that shot where you see the two of them walking into the distance and then there's the shape of the wolf in the foreground that sort of blots them out. I don't know if you caught that. If you, you don't, I don't think you care for it.
0: Yeah, maybe I caught (laughs) it.
1: So I also love the idea that he, he appears to be running this gauntlet. All this stuff he's going through is somehow supposed to be for the sake of mankind or to save that crew or, or just one or two, you know, small kind of related only because of humanity. And, uh, and it turns out in the end, he's doing it all to save his daughter. He knows that's his daughter up there, I believe.
0: Yeah, I would think so too. But now, do you think she knew it?
1: I don't, she does not know it. She does not know it. Because I,
0: I, I will confess I did like that reveal at the end also. So
1: he's going through all of that. He does not – that when he goes out with this imaginary person – He's actually going out with his daughter. She doesn't speak because he's never heard her voice. He only saw her in the back of that car. And so that version of her in his mind has no voice. And that's why she's mute. Okay. So the whole time he appears to be taking her somewhere to save her. He appears to be taking the, the young girl to this other place so that they can make contact with the ship. In what it sounds like, he's hoping they'll be able to get her. There's no point in getting him because he's going to die anyway. But she should have some hope. And so the whole time this is going on, I'm thinking, oh, my God, how are they going to get this girl? And how are we going to save this girl? The fact that it didn't matter, that's a MacGuffin right there. It doesn't matter because it doesn't matter how you save the girl. Early on, uh, my wife, helpful, always, went, she's not real. And so I said, if that turns out to be right, I'm divorcing you for ruining this movie for me. Yes, you can celebrate that you and my wife are on the same wavelength.
0: (laughs) Amazed Uh, you weren't. Yes, so... I know you were probably sort of drunk with anticipation of Kyle Chandler's appearance. (laughs) And that probably glossed over a lot of details with this that would otherwise be inexcusable with any non-Kyle Chandler.
1: Okay, again, despite the mocking that I believe is going on right now, I will say that other than George Clooney, I had no idea who was in this. Okay. I did not know anything about it when I hit play. It was just based on a photograph with him in his beard. His beard, which seemed at first blush to possibly be, according to my wife, uh, him doing a David Letterman. But I really think that he was doing a Jack Elam because that was Jack Elam's beard pulled out of mothballs and, and slapped on his face, I think. Wow. I
0: but, thought no one was gonna know Steven Stills, man alive, <laughs> man well, alive! I Ladies was recently, and gentlemen, anyone listening this far, Google Jack Elam. E-L-A-M. I, was,
1: I was recently enjoying How to Support Your Local Sheriff, and in which he is one of the <laughs> he is one of the many supporting players to uh, James Garner. That's right. Anyway, um, so I didn't know uh, – <laughs> my love of Kyle Chandler had nothing to do with it. Not even I'm, – I'm now I'm joining in the
0: fun. I, I... And frankly – I'm sorry. I won't mock no, you. No, it's all right. It's <laughs> of course <laughs> you will. Um, but uh, it didn't have to be him, frankly. There was so Oh, it didn't little. have to be any of them. No. No. You know, if anything, I feel like this movie proved that a black hole can exist inside a spaceship. Oh, my God. Because there that was just was... – zero chemistry between any two people up there the only person i cared about harsh. was um <laughs> tiffany boone's character uh sure sure and,
1: and even you know then
0: what? i'm like so her spacesuit got punctured but she didn't implode it didn't just suck all the air out of her spacesuit i don't but understand but it was but it was it was penetrated
1: I don't understand the, log- the logistics or the science of that. I assume it's possible in a way that I do not understand.
0: It was a very cool shot when they removed the helmet and yeah. there were all these droplets of blood floating around. That's great. I kept thinking to myself, man, that's going to be a pain in the ass to clean off. But all these chit-chatty scientist exchanges reminded me a lot, actually, of yeah. Space 1999. <laughs> that is not
1: one that I thought was going to come up here today. I have a list of movies I wanted to mention, but that was not one oh. of them. Fantastic. Mention away. I will mention away. Uh, I I wasn't quite done with my other thing. I wanted to Okay, say, no,
0: no, no, no. Hang okay. on. No, no, no. I wanted Take to touch away.
1: on something you said. When you said it didn't need to be Ch- Kyle Chandler, and I said it didn't need to be anybody there. In the category of it didn't need to be somebody particular, I wanted to um, to give a shout-out to a... An actress named Miriam Shore, she played Kyle Chandler's I can't think of the word. what's the what's the word? I can't believe it wife Paramour <laughs> No no wife, but but um, what is it when they're not really <gasps> there? What? No, no no. when they're not when you see the uh, Princess Leia was a hologram. Uh, it was <laughs> she played Kyle Chandler's hologram wife, this actress Miriam Shore. There's no reason for it to be a, an actress as accomplished as she is to appear as an extra in a little side element. Uh, if you follow what I'm talking about, I can't quite tell.
0: Yeah, no, no, uh, no, no, no. I totally get you. Uh, and
1: I know her from uh, the TV show Damages, which I like. She she was in uh, a dozen episodes of that. And a movie called Lost Girls, which is quite good. Hmm. Um, that is from a couple of years ago. So I, I was looking at her going, well, she's obviously coming back to do more. There's some, we're going to see, he's going to be reunited with his family and we're going to see her in the flesh.
0: Right. Right. You know. In the dying throes or we'll have right, flashbacks right. of his character like George's. <laughs> right.
1: Uh, to be, to be fair and clear, lost girls is actually from 2020. It's just the year that time forgot. Um, and it stars Amy Ryan. And it's about uh, a woman who's, whose uh, daughter disappears and, you know, the police are not doing enough and she's trying to figure it out on her own. And, and uh isn't that like and, the three
0: billboards movie uh
1: yeah yeah this is i think i think lost girls is actually based on a true story it was three billboards also i can't remember whether it was or not I but know. very gritty and very you know it's not an easy watch but it was good so uh in the category of what what is that actor doing there i thought for sure and then i thought well maybe maybe george just knows her that's probably what it is, is. and maybe i mean obviously george
0: and george and kyle go back to catch 22 exactly
1: so, other things. yeah so okay so now shifting again to movies that that tweaked in my brain while watching this obviously it's hard to avoid thinking about gravity which is not that long ago uh. and, in which george appeared and then another one that i've heard mentioned in relation to this but and, and i think it's somewhat valid but the revenant in terms of just a person battling against a natural environment
0: But that movie was realistic. This one (laughs)
1: was. Um, I'm not sure if if you survive a bear attack or not. I think I think an argument could be made that there are parts of that movie that are not realistic. But fair enough. Uh, Another one that comes to mind is The Martian. In some ways, in some weird ways, you know, George Clooney is both the guy on Earth and also the Martian because he seems to be in an almost inhospitable landscape that, uh, you know. The whole thing is set in the year twenty forty nine, which fairly recently was claimed by Blade Runner. So I'm not mm. sure why you set it in twenty forty nine if you're not going to bring that to mind in some way, but other than those four digits, there is not any real connective tissue between this and that movie.
0: And you know, the thing is, is I feel like anytime time you set a science fiction or fantasy story at in a future date that is mm-hmm. within eyeshot, shot mm-hmm. you you're setting yourself up failure because mm. chances are you're going to be imagining technology that is nowhere near going to exist
1: either. right okay you know? well i'm going to oh, i'm going to call you out on that statement i understand the nature of what you're saying but i'm going to say terminator 2 salvation day or whatever the fuck that second one was called that was Basically, the events of Terminator have already happened within our lifetime. And yes, the technology hasn't come to exist. But in when sitting and watching Terminator, I never went, well, that's impossible. That's never going to happen.
0: Right. But that's also, let's keep in mind, that yeah. technology in the story is made available because there is a leftover part of the original Terminator <laughs> from the first movie that then forms the basis for all the advanced science we see in Terminator 2. <laughs>
1: Okay, so they built into it their own they, their own get out of jail free card uh from your from your harsh analysis okay, fair enough. uh how about Apollo thirteen in that movie, we are watching a bunch of astronauts who are desperately trying to get back home and we're rooting for them to get there in this movie, we're watching a bunch of astronauts trying to get home, and we're hoping they don't
0: yeah, that's like I said I love the initial premise
1: okay. George Clooney, in an interview that I saw, made reference to a movie from 1959 called On the Beach.
0: Oh, yeah. And they use a clip of it in here. Yeah.
1: And yes, and they use a clip of it in, in the movie itself. And so in his mind, that this is sort of a uh, an updating of some of the themes of that movie. Mankind only has months left to live. And what do you do with that time you have left? What does that look like? This was another um, issue I
0: had. Uh, with yeah was that when he does finally make contact with the ship, I feel like he was at a loss for words. And I thought to myself, you know, once you've made it your mission to go and contact them, I'm thinking to myself, you're kind of mentally preparing what you're going to say. You're not going to like go to all this trouble to make contact and then mumble it out, you know, I I was expecting the whole time that the very first thing he says is, look, shit went down here. Turn around and go back to wherever you came from because you're the only hope for humanity now. Right. That should have been the first thing out of his mouth.
1: Okay. I I feel, honestly, I feel as though this movie lost you in such a profound way 60 minutes before that mark that you are kind of overlooking that, The trials and tribulations he had to face just from the sense of getting from point A to point B. Forget that he fell in an ocean and had to get out and not die of hypothermia. Even set that aside, just making that journey itself, which seemed to take two or three days or whatever it was, I don't know how long that was supposed to be taking. That was brutal. And I'm sure that as he's strolling along, he's not necessarily thinking about, oh, I know, here's how I'll start my conversation with them that I don't even know if I'm going to make it there to have. Uh, secondly, while he was making that journey, he is like in the throes of actively dying of whatever is killing him, the, the cancer. And so he would have had that issue that he was dealing with as well. And then he finally gets where he's going. He's absolutely exhausted out of his mind. But you want him to be eloquent and focused. And here we go. he He's probably dead. All and, right. uh, 30 minutes after the movie ends, he falls over and dies. All right. And and he got his message to them, which is don't come back here. This whole idea that you're the only hope for humanity, turn around and go away. Well, guess what? Humanity isn't gonna work. If one guy and one woman and one baby go to another planet, humanity is over in their lifetime. Because unless the man is gonna make another baby with whatever comes out of the woman, or the baby is gonna make another baby with the woman. Well, you
0: know. We're done. I mean well, that's a can of worms that has plagued Christianity since day one. <laughs> The, and right. the whole idea of creationism is that, well, I mean, it doesn't take a very smart child to realize that, you know, th- there must have been some inappropriate relations going on if, right. <laughs> you know, for the species to evolve. The only right. the only thing about that that I liked yeah. was that when uh, Kyle Chandler and the other guy mm-hmm. leave, we are watching the literal extinction of the white man.
1: <laughs> oh my God! Now, hang on a second. I, I appreciate that, but I want to go back and just say that it's Demian uh, Bashir. That's the other actor who who I'm fond of in other circumstances. I didn't. Everyone here was wasted. Even you. You probably should have been wasted while you were watching it. You might have enjoyed it more. I wish I
0: was <laughs> wasted.
1: Oh. <laughs> Yeah, the extinction of the white man. That's true. That's true. Well, you know what? That means that the Sully character, the Iris character, grown up, the female astronaut, she has a chance of actually getting a job. And so does the black man. There's no one going to stand in their way in this future society. They're going to be uh, leading the charge. And yeah, there will be no white men anymore. That's... Uh, Excellent. That's Excellent. true. Well, there's, there's your wokeness from... Uh, I bet from George, you yes, at, you're right. If you go look no. at the book, if you go look you at the me book, there. all of those particulars might have been uh, might have been changed. That's funny. Okay, so first of all, I just wanted to say a little bit about um, some of the effects. I kind of uh, I kind of touched on them earlier. I thought the space stuff was handled pretty well. Sure. That there wasn't any there weren't any kind of show stopping visual effects moments in space the the spacewalk itself is arguable because that was pretty intense when all of them are oriented in a different gravitational you know they're all facing different directions and so part of my part of that sort of warped my brain a little bit but uh the answer to the key to that is that those were digital those astronauts were digital and that the faces were mocap.
0: ah
1: ilm did ilm did these um these effects And then beyond, I'll tell you what effect. Yeah,
0: yeah, I was going to say, I'll I'll tell you what effect looked amazing. Yeah, the moon or planet that they were on.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I saw I saw a photograph, and basically, that's um, Felicity Jones Mm -hmm. in an actual like wheat field on Earth, um, running through a wheat field, and the background, the the real background is just mountains or whatever. So the background is all digital, but but what she's standing and what she's running through is is actual real, but then I think the colors of it were tweaked and, and altered.
0: Yeah. It also reminded me of, you're going to hate me for bringing this one. Oh up. no. Avatar.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? No, that's fine. That's fine. I Listen, that's valid. I think that's valid. And I think what I'm about to say will kind of justify it a little bit in that there was something that seemed worldly about it and at the same time otherworldly about it and sort of hyper real, but somehow unreal. And I feel like all of that ends up being justified when it turns out she was dreaming. So we don't Mm -hmm. even know if that was a literal interpretation of where they were or her dream version of it.
0: Excellent point.
1: Um, And so I think they bought themselves uh, uh, some to take some liberties there. But uh, so the spacewalk, I just when it was done, I was like, How did they do some of this? I wanna know. So some of that was spacewalk, some of this was actual on location shooting. So when you see the wind swept tundras and you see I mean, they keep making this big deal out of the fact that they would they could only shoot for like takes that were a minute long, but then they'd have to hustle Clooney back into a tent and put a, a put a blow dryer on his face so that they could his eyes would have uh, frozen; the lids would have frozen shut in the minute that it took to be out there. They're very proud of themselves for all of that, and that's that's fine. I know your take is like they went through all that for this. Jesus.
0: No, my take on it is, why didn't any of that translate it, into the actual story that they were shooting? That it seemed that it
1: just make it seem because like they're it perpetuating
0: was called... this fiction that this guy can walk around the tundra without face covering and right, right, you know, take a bath and come out okay. And <laughs> I mean.
1: Okay, the other thing, one of the other things with regards to the effects and some of the things that I liked, and it kind of starts to make sense, is I know you're probably not watching on Disney Plus the show uh, The Mandalorian.
0: Again with The Mandalorian. I'm
1: sorry, I am sorry, but it's important here because they have developed a thing there where they're not using green screens anymore. They're using 360 degrees LED screens. So it's a projection of an actual photorealistic thing.
0: You know what movie pioneered that what? technology
1: what gravity there you go okay makes sense i feel like on the mandalorian they have taken it to a whole other extreme because there's every part of it looks like it's they're really there and it's really happening and it it exists those those places exist in my mind they're not in tunisia they didn't go to tunisia to do it but god damn it it looks like they did and so similarly you know, when he's looking out the window or when he's standing and you can see his reflection, but you can also out the window see the full, you know, expanse mm-hmm. that he's there, all those different things. Even when they're walking around in it, portions of that could easily have been on a soundstage and and look as realistic as if they had been there. And that might explain why you're not seeing their breath. For one thing, I'm super glad that they didn't spend a penny of their less than $100 million budget Putting in, add breath, add breath in breath, digital breath, because that never looks right. It looks like yeah, sure, it looks like breath, but it doesn't really look right. It doesn't really ever look right. So I, uh, I'm glad they didn't try to solve that. I just was willing to accept that they were somewhere cold and get on with my life. But I understand
0: digital breath for me is falls into the same category as fake snow. Not so much when snow is falling in the scene. Yeah, but when it's on someone's hair and shoulders and then they. Come inside for a few minutes. Oh, <laughs> right. Which oddly enough, just happened uh, in an episode uh, of Fargo. Oh yes, episode. yes. We will have to we'll have stop to. laughing. Oh, at this character who's supposed to be in indoors for about thirty minutes, right? And still has still snow has on big him. old flakes sitting right. on him.
1: Well, that could be because he he's out on the he's there he's he's in the Arctic Circle and it's very cold inside. Fargo? No, I'm joking. These are the jokes. I'm, I'm just being silly. Oh, because it's,
0: because it's in such a cold location. Yes. yes.
1: Yes. yes. Uh, the other effect that I feel like it's worth noting is that oh, what's his name? Ethan Peck played the young character, the young Augustine Flophouse or whatever his name was, Lofthouse. Ethan Peck being the, I don't know, the grandson or great grandson of Gregory Peck. But what they did was they basically took George Clooney's voice and put it married it to ethan's voice so that they they, they mix the two together together in a way because when you when you first see that character he's giving a speech to people and i'm like jesus that sounds like george clooney but it doesn't look like him and then once we started seeing him much more close up it sounded less like him but in that first moment where we were first meeting his character i think they were just wanted us to know for sure that's who this is supposed to be because there's no real explanation otherwise it takes a while for you to connect them by name right it's not immediately apparent and i do appreciate that they did just make everything immediately apparent all right here's some trivia do you care
0: about trivia well i do but just for the record it was apparent to some of us from the get-go that that was a flashback to his younger self gotcha much like the fact that the girl was imagining just saying Gotcha. gotcha trivia trivia me
1: Neither in the book nor in the original script was the character of Sully pregnant. She became pregnant when Felicity Jones got pregnant months after being cast in the part. And after great debate about how they were going to hide it and what they were going to do, Clooney just woke up one day and said, what if she's actually just pregnant? And I think that that brought an interesting element to the story that I sort of am shocked wasn't there before. Because if she wasn't pregnant in the script before, then there's nothing happening on that space station or in the, on that ship. At least that gave it a little bit of a spine of something anyway. And And also because she's pregnant and we're talking about the future of mankind and all of that, I think it plays into those themes. And so I'm surprised that she that the character wasn't pregnant to begin with. I'm also surprised that Felicity Jones got pregnant when she was already cast in something.
0: Well, I'm also surprised that NASA would have let someone pregnant go up in space, so I'm guessing she had to have been impregnated on... Oh, yeah,
1: no, that's that was that was my understanding. Was that clear? She was on, okay. a, she was on a two-year trip, so unless... I don't know how you'd get pregnant beforehand and still be pregnant. No, yeah. I, I I missed the fact that it was a two-year Yeah, trip. I think okay. it was two years. That makes
0: sense. That makes sense.
1: And I mean, I really love that idea that astronauts returning from a a trip come back to an Earth. You know, the comms have gone down. The comms no longer work, so they don't know what's going on. They just think the comms are down and they get get in close enough and go, wait a minute, this isn't the planet we left. I think that's a brilliant jumping off point for something. Yeah. Maybe not this, but a different kind of movie. Clooney lost 30 pounds to play that part. But he put on... Which is funny. Yeah.
0: That must be because of everything he had to carry. Well... Because for the most part, he's wearing a big heavy winter parka.
1: I think he put on 25 pounds worth of beard is the thing. No. Um, uh. He's so... The way he's clothed, to me, he never looked thin. And because his face is hidden, he never looked thin. If you see him now, he looks incredible. He looks emaciated because all of that is missing. And he's just dressed like a normal human being who's not under... So
0: was that an intentional... Yes, 30 pounds that he lost or was it just as as a consequence of no 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 it was intentional 30 pounds he
1: lost to play a guy who was dying of cancer and near the end of that journey but I don't think it really shows in the way that they hoped it would because the beard and the clothing hide that to a certain extent and you never have a shot of him in a shower that would have sold it right there I'm sure there were showers in that you know that uh, facility he was in
0: I don't think so. I think he just went outside and took a bath, just a little dip <laughs> in the ocean, cleaned himself off, came right back in. Oh, my in. God. I don't know. For some reason, one man polar bear club.
1: I really hate you today. I really hate you today. Okay, so. You say that every day. <laughs> no, I think that every time. I don't say it every time. This is the second character that Clooney has played uh, who was, uh, had terminal cancer. So in a movie he did before, a character he played, a well-known character, well-known film he played, the character was dying of cancer and they basically cut out almost every reference to it in the movie. But I don't know which references they left in.
0: The Peacemaker?
1: No, no. That movie was a cancer. Up in the air. That son of a bitch who was doing all that schlepping back and forth and firing people and everything else was simultaneously dying of cancer. And I think that the movie, that knowledge adds this level of something to that movie that you could feel it was there, but it didn't really make sense or whatever. It it, kind of makes me go, oh, I get it. I get it now. You know,
0: I wish I had guessed Michael Clayton. It would also fit. You can imagine that in there, too. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Oh, it would be great there. Oh, it would be it would be even better there because of the whole thing of, you know taking care of people with health issues and so on and so forth and defending the disenfranchised from – isn't that what was going and, on and, there?
0: And this this notion of like one last success. Yeah,
1: yeah. Gosh. In his life. Maybe we should ask them to reconsider uh, <laughs> the final edit of that movie. Michael Clayton too. Yeah. In later years. I think that was it for, for um, trivia. But I had a couple other things I wanted to touch on. Hopefully we can do it real quick. And this was just this sort of was occurring to me after watching the movie. I was thinking about George Clooney because he he sprang into our lives and onto the national and international stage and fame and all of that uh, as a as the handsome young doctor on ER many, many years ago.
0: Oh, I'm sure there are some people who cling to him being the handsome headmaster and the facts of life. Well, that too.
1: Yes. Obviously, he had a life even before that. He was in another show called ER, as a matter of fact, a sitcom called ER. Where he played a doctor and intern, I believe, unless I'm. I'm really, it's, it's E slash R, not just the letters E R. I thought, I thought for sure, because he had so much. Yeah, there's E R, E slash R. Um, he played a character named Ace. This is from uh, nineteen eighty five. This is quite a while ago. Uh, freshly divorced, Whatever. freshly divorced physician on call in an emergency room in Chicago, but he's not playing the 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 main guy it's an Elliot Elliot Gould was the star. Of course you couldn't have a sitcom without Elliot Gould in any case. So he was in there as the sort of handsome doctor. He's actually not even in the promotional material, like the photo of the cast and everything. So he might've just been passing through in that one. But in any case, I got to thinking about his career and, and was trying to figure out like, who is he, who, who, who today would he be most similarly compared to, for example, like a Harrison Ford who you know, emerged as a swashbuckler uh, in in Star Wars and Indiana Jones films, and then uh, progressed into a different, more serious, more you know, artist type guy. But never quite got out, I don't think, of the of the comic book level. I don't think he. I mean, what was that, Henry? Regarding Henry? No, Judge. Regarding him? Henry? Yeah. I mean, that is as the most serious he kind of ever got, or the most sort of adult. And then it's like someone like Johnny Depp, who burst onto the scene as this young guy and then sort of carved his own path he didn't just become a leading man he sort of did different things and tried different things but eventually he becomes a comic book character he becomes sort of a joke of himself the very thing he was trying to avoid all that time when he's when he gets involved in the uh, pirates of the caribbean so then those two weren't any good then i think about dicaprio Uh, A similar young man, lots of fame. And he really has done a lot of different artistic stuff. And he's had the opportunity to work with incredible directors and try all kinds of Scorsese and all these sort of different and and to change every time. He's not the same thing every time we see him up to and including um, DiCaprio was already in my mind because of Revenant. But he's not quite right either. And then, I, and then I thought, well, what's the opposite? Like Vin Diesel is the opposite or Jason Statham is the opposite who get a persona and a character and then they just play that same thing over and over whether it's in a franchise that's just they run it into the ground like Vin Diesel with Fast and the Furious or whether it's Jason Statham who's basically the transporter in everything he does. It's not like he's doing a bunch of different type guys. It's always the same thing. And finally what I ended well, up – I don't know.
0: Is- I think he really broke out in the like-
1: yeah, that's true. He, he shifted gears, totally, uh, and then I finally landed on maybe the real the real thing is Paul Newman, but even better, Robert Redford, who was mm. a matinee type actor who kind of did his own thing and made the movies that George Clooney makes feels like a lot of them feel like they could have been made in the seventies in terms of themes and tone, and I would almost I would almost go with Warren Beatty. Warren Bate is another good one, who then went to be a director, except I think.
0: But he also started acting like serious stuff. Sure. Before he was directing.
1: So, I mean, he's he's going down this path that has been gone down before by other people. And I'm kind of interested. I looked at his, his IMDb list and I have seen damn near 36 of his movies. Wow. That's a lot. And it's not like I'm yes. a huge George Clooney fan, but I realize, oh, if it says George Clooney, I figure it's probably going to be good or I'm going to like it, you know. And so That's what they're counting on. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. So with that in mind, I wanted to talk just really briefly about other things he's directed. Catch, he wrote, directed a couple episodes of catch Twenty-Three. I thought all of those were reasonably well directed. There wasn't anything that stood out. They all seemed hmm. like they could have been directed by the same person, frankly. Often, often those limited run shows get one director or two that alternate back and forth. The Monuments Men, which I thought was entertaining, but it didn't really stand out in any real way.
0: Yeah,
1: Ides I not care for that. Ides of March. I think the poster is the best part of that thing. I don't remember that. Ides of March. It's, um, it's Gosling. Ryan Gosling. An idealistic staffer, Ryan Gosling, for a new presidential candidate. Gets a crash course on dirty politics during his stint on the campaign trail is the description. And George Clooney plays Governor Mike Morris, so he's probably the um, the candidate in question. Philip Seymour Hoffman is in it. Paul Giamatti, Marissa Tomei, Jeffrey Wright. Fantastic cast. Uh, Max Mingala. That sounds
0: like the biggest political movie flops. It's speechless.
1: <laughs> yes, that is fair. But the poster is cool because it's Ryan Gosling's face, and then he's holding up a Time magazine folded in half of George Clooney's face, and then it's lined up down the nose. So half of the face is is Ryan Gosling, and the other half of the face is George Clooney. It's just a cool-looking picture. But um, in any case George Clooney
0: also directs. Good Night and Good
1: Luck? He did. I was just about to get to that. And Leatherheads. um, But—and I have to be honest, I haven't (sighs) seen Good Night and Good Luck. Have you? I saw it when it came out. Okay. And what was your take as far as his being a director? It was fine. Okay, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind was, was his as well.
0: Now that's that's a pretty excellent movie. I think I think of him as more of an actor's director. I than do too. A really cinematic. I'm not as
1: excited about what he's going to do next as an as a director, as I am as excited about what he's going to be in possibly as an actor or even as a producer, because he's, you know, Catch Twenty Two was something he had producing credit on. I have a feeling he was you know, instrumentally involved in, in that. But he has a couple other producing. Our brand is crisis. He has a producer credit on, I don't know if you remember that picture. It's like, you know, it's this, it's a very earnest kind of true story. Look at a woman who's was basically a, uh, what do you call that? A PR type rep. Yeah. A PR type rep. Uh, Sandra Bullock, I think. Oh, that's funny. That's the connection. It goes back to Gravity, I guess. And um, mm. he produced August, Osage County. He produced Argo. So he's had some really interesting producing things that you don't normally associate his name with. So anyway, I just wanted to sort of touch on his – because this is such a George Clooney vehicle, you know, auteur type thing. I thought it might be appropriate to discuss some more of that. We don't have to go through – like each individual actor and say oh this is what i like him in or this is my favorite george clooney movie or any of that i think i think you've had about enough of me and, and and my love of all this all these things and so i think i think i'm now i've run out of gas my thing is go watch the movie and have fun and don't worry about it so much and what is your final take keep scrolling <laughs> excellent excellent uh, way to wrap this one up ladies and gentlemen we'd like to thank you very much for listening to us, for joining us here today Um, for now. And until next time, the doctors are out.